Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And we are recording this episode on Wednesday ahead of the Sabres matchup with the Penguins, but we have a pretty cool idea for what we're going to be talking about today. But we have a quick story that I just want to share really quickly. So after part two of our trade deadline episodes, the most recent one of which dropped on Monday, uh, we had received a little bit of feedback online just about some of our discussions with regard to the Sabres not trading Colin Miller and Vinny Hinostroza. And uh, one of our listeners had responded or had tweeted us going on their way to, and uh, his name is Andrew, had said that he liked the podcast, but he thought it was overkill that we had talked about Colin Miller for, you know, not trading him and that we were just harping on it too much, talked about it for too long. So um, naturally, you know, I'm very open to constructive criticism and, and all of that. And so I did the responsible adult thing, which is responded and said, meet me at the dumpster behind Mr. Goodbar in 20 minutes. We're going to fist fight. Um, no, but uh, I went back and listened to it. And, and we definitely I, I know at least I did. I had kind of brought it back up. Um, a little bit after the conversation, I felt like I'd kind of gone away from it, but that is not the funny part of the story. The funny part is Taylor is that I ended up going after I went back and listened to the podcast again and checked out, uh, this Andrew's profile and Andrew, if you're listening right now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but I am like 95% certain that you were my neighbor on St. James place in the Elmwood village. Uh, I lived on St. James for a year during like the start of the pandemic, actually. And Andrew was my neighbor. I'm pretty sure, like I'm almost positive that this is the same guy. Very awesome guy. Great family next door to me. The best. They have a really adorable golden retriever dog too. So great, um, great group of folks there. But I just wanted to say hello, Andrew, if you're, if you're listening to this one, you made it seem like you, you listen to the podcast regularly. So just wanted to say what's up. Appreciate you uh, tweeting at us and I hope you and your family are doing well. So funny stuff. Buffalo is literally just two degrees of separation everywhere. It really is. It's Sm- truly true. Smallest uh, region of a million people in the world. Literally, though. Literally. Um, but anyways, though, back to what we're going to be talking about today. We have a really, really fun topic that we wanted to discuss. Well, I guess fun is one way of putting it. Uh, we're going to connect this current Sabres team, well, I should say next year's Sabres team, to the Sabres the last time that they had made the playoffs, which as we all know is 2010-2011. We're now approaching our 11th year of this playoff drought and it has been exhausting. And even though that 2010-2011 team was bounced in the first round, I think all of us can agree that we would do anything to even be in that position <laughs> again in the first place. Um, so well, we'll- we always talk about like the hot streaks these Sabres teams have had in the drought. Mm-hmm. Like they had the 10 game win streak. They right. had a 
eight one and one start to that one year, five one and one start to this year. We were excited last week about winning four or five. Yeah. But that team to close the year was like, what were they like 17, four and four? Yeah. Like something, something they along only those lost lines. four games in regulation from I think when Pagula bought the team somewhere around there, that there, you know, there was briefly, briefly uh a little bit of hope. Yeah. <laughs> it made a, a full bit. run to the playoffs because that team started terribly. Look, they were super disappointing. And then rebounded to get 90 plus points and make the playoffs. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was amazing. And definitely when you look back at that roster, really you would not think was a team that would have been a, a playoff contender, to be honest, just given that it was pretty thin. Um it, it definitely had gotten it it's weirdly, I, I think it's a worse team than the first post Breer jury team, which missed the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, Those definitely. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. Both missed the play. In uh, the first one uh, in general, the, and when you still include the fact that they had Campbell, that blows them out of the water. But even the next year, you know, I think that was a, a more talented team as well. Right. Well, and, and we've talked about it a lot too. I mean, just not to get too sidetracked, but you and I, I feel like have talked about maybe not this season, but I know last year we did a whole episode or something like that. That was about that 07, 08 team that they were, criminally underrated in terms of where they ranked in terms of league-wide scoring i think what were they the first fourth. the fourth highest scoring team yeah. in the nhl i that's just crazy to think that they didn't end up making the playoffs should have brought back danny Briere. but anyways you have to get that in at least like once a week should have um, brought back ty conklin, ty conklin. I only, i'm only the missing kind of piece joking. because if they brought back ty conklin they would have made the playoffs just because jocelyn tebow Oof. he looked 10 years older than craig Oof. anderson looks now but he's significantly younger yeah yeah. Well, anyways, though, so let's get back to it. So what we're going to do is we are going to look back at this 2010-2011 team and theorize who we would take one player from that team and put them on the Sabres moving forward. So on the 2022-2023 Sabres. And this isn't just like a one and done thing, because I think that that makes this a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. We're going to analyze it from what you would get this person at the age they were at in 2010, 2011, and have them through the rest of their career. Now, obviously, if you're taking them and you're taking, like, let's say Thomas Vanek, for example, who was the leading scorer on the Sabres team, he still was a pretty consistent producer through the rest of his career, but we're taking it as what he did through his career, knowing that if you put him on the Sabres team, maybe it varies a little bit, maybe not. Generally speaking, though, the guys who are in contention, you would like to think that the production would say somewhat similar, right? I would think so. Yeah. I don't think things would be too different or they would all catch like scoliosis, something like that. Like this guy, he's going to be a day to day. And then he's, Oh my God, he's dead. (laughs) All right. Which is unfortunate. That's an interesting wrinkle we could throw into this. (laughs) What deadly disease will they catch along the way? Um, So looking at this team, as I said, it really was not, they weren't blowing you out of the water too much with just like the names. Especially their decor. No, definitely not. I mean, your second best defenseman was Jordan Leopold, who had his career year at age 30, I believe he or was, was he at the, the time. Or he was actually the best. <laughs> yeah, you're right. If we're just not going by just point production. Yeah. Um, it, I guess I sh- the thing to say is, yeah. is that these, these teams had lost to Leander and Ludman. This team yes. in particular had lost to Leander and Ludman. Correct. They were solid. They weren't great, but it's like, are you going to play? And they, they, Chose to not bring back Tim Kennedy and chose to not replace him either and brought in Steve Montador and Shane Morrison. Right. RIP, but that wasn't a great choice. No, uh, totally, totally, yeah. So when evaluating this, though, to, to me, and we were talking a little bit before this, I think that there are four names that are worthy of legitimate consideration or at least having the conversation is probably actually three, but I want to say four just for the sake of where this current Sabres team is, because when we're doing this and evaluating it, 
you, you can't just say, oh, well, you know, who is the best player? Who do you like the most or anything like that? You have to evaluate it from the perspective of where the Sabres are right now, heading into next year and what the team needs are. So if we're being honest with, with, with everybody, with ourselves, whatever, the Sabres' biggest needs right now are high-end center down the middle, right-handed defenseman, and a bridge goalie. Yes. So you have, in terms of realistic options, two of those three. Um, some guys who are on that team who I think we could just kind of like throw out of the way right now for just not being in contention for various reasons, mostly because they're really just not in the same stratosphere as these top guys. Um, you know, like there's no legit center option that you can have. Center is really the one that you're not going to be able to pull a guy from this roster. You could look well, at somebody think- like Tyler Ennis, for example, who was 21 at the time. He put up 49 points in this season, and this was the best season of his career statistically. It just went down from here. Yeah, that's. I think that's interesting because he was the Sabres MVP two seasons yeah. in a row. Sad. I guess he must have. He wasn't in the low 40s though, points wise on those teams. Mm-hmm. So that's that's. I guess what happened, he had two 20 goal seasons and he had a terrible concussion and he's had some okay seasons as a middle six right. kind of score since then. But yeah, I was kind of surprised when I looked at how many points he had that year. I didn't I don't remember that at all. 20, 29 and 49. Yep. And he was a first round pick. So you would have expected him to get better. Right. Uh, and he so, did not. <laughs> no, he did not. I would say this, though. one person suggested this uh, in our mentions already. And I think if you think of it as a one year thing, which it's not, it makes sense, which is Jochen Hesch. He'd be a nice guy to have around for like a year. But like Jochen Hesch got uh shout out Mark and Fairport. Yes, he's the one who said that. Uh Jochen Hesch was, was kind of 33. Old. Yes, he so by the you would have had him for his age 33 season then or age 34 yeah. season. 33 and 34. Year. And then by the time the 2012-13 Sabres around, he was very much a fourth liner. Right. Or at least should have been on a good team. Right. Even though he's still useful to have around. It's just like you don't get young Jochen Hesch, which you know. This, that's this a different conversation yeah. yeah right right that's the thing that's i think what's like the unique wrinkle in this is you can't just because you know even like looking at like thomas vanek for example i mean if you could say like oh well i want to have 0607 thomas vanek who puts up 40 goals obviously that's one thing but yeah. um you know that's not what the the purpose of the exercise is so ennis and hash right off the bat there's two centers that are out of the way Tim Connolly was 29 at the time. He put up 65 points in 73 games the year prior to 2010-2011. But as we all know, he only played one more season and his entire career was pretty much ravaged by injury. Ravaged by injury. If you were, if you know, in an alternate timeline, Connolly never has those injury and concussion problems. Maybe it's different. Maybe Connolly's the guy that you take because he's 30 years old or just, he's going to be 29, 30 years old at the time. And if he reaches his full potential, but obviously that's just a big game of what if. Um, on D, as I had said before, Jordan Leopold was 30, had the best season of his career production-wise with 35 points in 71 games, but soon after this, he fell into a cliff. And maybe most important of all, he's a left-handed defenseman, so it really would not work with having him be a, po- a partner for Owen Power looking ahead to next year. Yeah, and I know what everyone is thinking right now. What's How that? have you not mentioned him yet? And no, like, I wanted to take him at first, but I think it's not the best decision. But I do want to shout out to Mark Mankari, who's <laughs> on this team. Of course, of course. And I mean, our boy, mutually our boy, Brad Boys, also on this team as well. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> fell off uh, the Grand Canyon. Actually. What about also, too, uh, leading playoff point scorer, Mark Andre Grognani that year, too? How about that one? 
That's so weird. So weird. Um, and then finally, in terms of our other options, which uh, our, our pal Matt Sleds actually tweeted us and said Drew Stafford. So Stafford put up 52 points in 2010-2011 and uh, was the youngest of the options at wing at 25 years old. He goes on to the next season to put up 50, uh, 50 points, then has a bit of a drop off from 2012 to 2014 until he's traded to Winnipeg in the Evander Kane trade along with Myers, where he has a slight resurgence. Uh, after getting traded, he goes for 19 points in 26 games, but soon after falls off and fizzles out of the league after brief stints with Boston and then two years with New Jersey. So what was his career high after this year? Well, he had 50, you said? It was 52. 52, and then he had 50 the next year. Yes. What, what about after that? What was his best one? Uh, 43. Yeah, and he wasn't a guy that did a whole lot of other stuff. Right. So, well, and when you're comparing, and that's the thing too, is like adding him into the mix would just be for adding another guy, but there's no scenario where you would take him over Vanek or Pominville, even though he's four years younger than them. Yeah. He just, yeah, to me, it's not even really close. Or I, I should say actually two and three years younger than them. It's not even a, a matter of comparison at that point. Yeah. No, I, I just think like he was an empty calorie scorer, which is fine. If you can score goals, if you score 30 goals, you had a good year, but like he only did that once and you're not getting that year. Right. So like you're getting every year after that, where I think he was a pretty big disappointment after they extended him. And I don't know, like we watched those Sabres teams, yeah. especially like the 2013, 14 Sabres. Did it look like you were watching anyone special than Andrew Stafford? No. <laughs> like I just, yeah, I, he just fell off too, too quickly. Right. So I guess what I'm thinking then Taylor. So it, when you get down to it, the top four that we are going to have a conversation about today is Thomas Vanek, Jason Pomerville, <laughs> Thank you, Ziggy. Tyler Myers and Ryan Miller. So what we can do, I thought, is I'll go through player by player. I'll give a rundown of the, the case for them being on the team or not on the team even. We'll talk about that guy a little bit, get through all four of them, and then we'll compare what we think, uh, who should be the guy. Yeah. Sound good? All right. So let's start off with Thomas Vanek here. So as we all know, Thomas Vanek at this point is a high-end goal scorer and producer um, he's 27 years old at the time. So in the, in the 2010-2011 season, he goes 26, 35, and 61 for 78 points. Uh, in the next season, in this season, in the 2010-2011 season, he goes 32, 41, and 73 points. So two back-to-back pretty good seasons there. Uh, then the following season is the lockout. He goes over a point per game in that mm. season. So then we get to 2013, 2014. He puts up 68 points at age 30, where he is then traded and it splits time between Buffalo, the Islanders, and Montreal. His strong play continues th- uh, through his early 30s. So adjusted to an 82-game season point total uh, from the season after the Sabres made the playoffs in 2010-2011. So from age 28 to 34, over the next seven seasons, his adjusted point totals are 67, 78, 76, 58, 46, 53, and finally, as a 34-year-old, 56 points. That's pretty solid moving in that far into your uh, your mid-30s at that point. And with the exception of the 2013-2014 Sabres, every season of his career, uh, in every season of his career, he had a Corsi 4 percentage that was above 50%. And as a reminder, a Corsi 4 percentage above 50, 50% is essentially saying that your team has the puck while you're on, while said player is on the ice more than the other team does. So we only had one season in that 2013-2014 season where it was below 50%. Um, Vanek, though, as we all know, was a strong power play producer, was really not like a pure five-on-five guy in the way that comparatively, we'll get to this, Jason Pominville was. Um, but looking at a guy like Vanek, that's injecting uh, legitimate 
top six winger, uh, number one power play unit guy that seems like if you at five on five, ideally you could match him with a playmaker like Krebs or even somebody who's more of like a stronger play driver like Dylan Cousins even potentially too. Um, so I think Vanek has a really, ha, ha, definitely has a strong case here. What are your, what are your thoughts on Thomas Vanek being in the mix in this? Goals. Goals, baby. We need goals. Damn so right. this, looking at the current Sabres, Skinner can still score, or he can score again, I should say. And now it appears Tage Thompson can score, which is cool. Who else in the Sabres do you really trust to get 20 goals next year? Maybe Jack Quinn, mm-hmm. uh, he's coming up. Maybe Peyton Krabs, although he's Alex Tuck, perhaps. Alex Tuck. So... You, you can never have, have enough 20 goal scores. Yeah, you, you have only a handful of guys in there that can get 20 goals. And again, Quinn and Krebs are still babies for us in that department. You don't have a lot of guys that can get 30. Now, Skinner and Tage might this year, which would be nice. Mm-hmm. And scoring's going up across the league, so you're going to need 30 goal scores to keep up with other teams. Vanna can do that for you. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, he also he's a great offensive driver, too. Right. He's like you mentioned, his point told us you're good. That's because he always got a lot of assists. He was a good passer. And in general, when he was on the ice, good things happened offensively. But when it comes down to it, you want a lot of goals. Because next year, if you want to be a decently competitive team, you're going to need to score more than this team has. Yeah. Like we've talked about how this team's scoring more than the past few Sabres teams. Well, you're going to have to step it up a little bit more than that because they're still in the bottom third of the league in terms of scoring. And Vanek, like you get, let's say, two years after this, or the second year you have him, for example, 23-24, when you're looking to make the playoffs, we all remember how good Vanek was in that lockout shortened season. He was incredible. And adjusted, you're still talking about over 70 points out of him, too. Yeah. Because, again, we're, t- we're saying he puts up 73 points this season uh, in the 2010-2011, but then you go 67-78-76. So you're yeah. still getting really, really, really quality Thomas Vanek here. Um so let's move on to number two. Yes. That would be Mr. Jason Pominville. So there's a lot of advantages I think that Pominville has over Vanek and vice versa, really, because they are different players um, just in terms of their style. So Pominville, as I had mentioned before, his advanced stats pretty damn near across the board are better than Vanek's at five on five. Um, but he's not as much of a producer as a high end producer as Vanek was. Um, another thing that I think is kind of important to keep into consideration here too, is just like the leadership aspect of all of this, because this is a very young roster. And while Vanek and Pominville both were captains, and maybe this is just like my pure bias coming into it, but I think Pominville is a better leader than Vanek was. Well, when they were still in the same team together, they chose Pominville. Right, exactly. And that's, and that's like the perfect way of putting it. So I think that that's something to keep in mind too. I think Pominville, I mean, we had him in, the, in his stint when he was, of course, playing with Eichel and Skinner for a little bit. Um, had shown what a good influence he was in the room then. And so I think having that kind of guy on the team is invaluable, um, a personality like that. So he's 28 in 2010, 2011. So you still have some good years ahead for him, which again, you cannot uh, understand enough. Like it's good to have a little bit of a mix up here because of how young this Sabres roster currently is. So in 2010, 2011, he goes 22, 30 and 52 in 73 games. So then the next season, he puts up 30, 43, and 73. So that's really, really solid, as we all know, followed by 34 points in 47 games when he played in 2012, 2013, and that is the year he gets traded. He goes to Minnesota and in parts of five seasons with the Wild, puts up 207 
points in 327 games, which is still pretty respectable. His first couple of seasons with the Wild are better. He's eclipsing 50 points. Then he starts to kind of fall off a little bit. He comes back to Buffalo and gives them pretty decent secondary scoring while still having positive five-on-five metrics. So I think it's really like the tale of two players here between the forwards and evaluating Vanek and Pominville. It's like you're either going to get a guy in Vanek who is the better power play producer. He's probably just overall the better scorer than Pominville is. But Pominville is going to give you more at five on five than Vanek will by a pretty decent margin um, while still being able to put up good numbers. So it's just kind of taking which of those two that you would really prefer. And I think that there is an argument for either one of them when just comparing those two. I guess this team isn't missing a Pominville as much as Vanek. When I first thought of this, I thought I was going to take, well, I thought I was going to exclude Miller completely and think of skaters. And I thought, well, skaters wise, I'll do Pominville. Uh, but Pominville is like, he's a better 200 foot player than Vanek, definitely. And, but not as good of a score. So like you said, there's things each of them do better. And I normally would lean towards what Pominville does. But when I look at it, you know, what he did, he was, he'd be around for a long time, but you wouldn't get as high of highs as you would get with early Vanek the next few years. So the other thing is, for the first time in a while, I feel like the Sabres have a good room. That's impossible to actually mm-hmm. know. but like It feels like it, though. It feels like it, so I'm just going to pretend it. I know. No, yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. And it looks like they have a future captain in Tuck, and it looks like one of their young, hopeful future stars and cousins seems to be a good locker room guy as well a good uh, leadership type that can be said for also too um like Darlene has really been showing his leadership ability this year Peyton Krebs is another guy that in juniors had I think he was a captain I'm pretty sure yeah um so yeah there's guys in the room Owen Power could be another theoretical example on the way so that's I just don't think the Sabres are missing that as much as they had been in the past even you know it was great when Palmville came here I'm sure he was he was good in the room when he came back uh but and I, I'm on the record of saying they should have brought him back for one more year. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, I just don't know if they, they miss him, a guy like him as much as Vanek. Although I think it is pretty close on ice wise. Like I just lean a little bit more towards Vanek because I feel like Pominville is, um, if you're bringing 2011, 12 Pominville in, is he better or worse than Alex Tuck? It's a good question. Yeah, I think they're in the same neighborhood. Well, I think it's also then asking the question, do you want the guy who's the better individual player? Or do you want the guy that's going to make the players around him better? I don't know who that is though. That's I mean, Vanek, I, like I said, I think he made good things happen offensively. Oh, I don't disagree. Pominville, like I said, yeah, he's a better 200 foot player and you could always use guys who are good in the, in the zone. So I, I think it's closer than I thought originally now that I've been thinking about it a little bit. But yeah, thankfully we don't need an answer right now. No. Go ahead. We're going to say that Pommelville would what? He'd be an upgrade on, I don't know, nine of their forwards. (laughs) Fair. I mean, Pommelville today. Yes. Yes. Um, All right. Pommelville today score more than four points in 52 games like John Hayden. I would, I would confidently say yes. Yeah. I think he would too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So let's move on now to contestant number three, who is honestly just in here for the sake of need and not necessarily this is, I think we're going to mutually agree is the guy that's going to end up ranking four out of four. Um, And that is Tyler Myers. So to his advantage, Myers has youth in 2010, 2011, he is just 20 years old. And it's crazy to think because it feels like he's been in the league forever, but he's only 31 years old right now. Like, isn't that kind of weird to think about? I feel like he's like older for whatever reason, or just the fact that he's 31 doesn't really feel right to me, but that is how old he is right now. 
Um, so at this point, though, Myers is coming off of a Calder win the year prior with 48 points in 82 games. In 2010-2011, he goes for 37 points in 80 games. He does not eclipse 37 points for the rest of his career. Key point there. Oh he God. gets close in what Winnipeg. Is what is he doing? I know. <laughs> not defending. <laughs> no, not at all. He gets close with Winnipeg in 2017-2018 with 36 um, and then he goes for 31 points the next year. But as we all know, obviously, too, with D, points are not the be-all, end-all. And that is especially the case with him. So Myers falls out of favor with the Sabres a couple of years after this playoff appearance. And as we all know, he eventually is the centerpiece of the Evander Kane trade. Um, it is hard to put the full blame on him, just considering that he was being coached by guys like Ron Rolston, too, leading up to this. And so he wasn't exactly in the best environment for filling out the rest of his game for somebody that is just like a physical specimen and really oversized and just it, it just watching him back then it was he just did not he had the tools but he just could not put it all together he was one of those guys so his last two years with the Sabres he was getting also really heavy defensive zone starts 57 percent in 13-14 and prior to the trade in 14-15 he was at 63.6 percent for defensive uh, zone starts his full, first full season in Winnipeg he got a pretty even deployment with offensive and defensive zone starts and had a core C4 percentage of 51.1 which is fine since that though he has not had a core C4 percentage above 50 percent yeah so not good um his, his play overall isn't great down the stretch and i think also the bigger problem than just his play is the contracts that he's been given so again this isn't like a you know pie in the sky whatever like salary doesn't matter you got to take this stuff into account when we're applying these guys to this team and you bring on myers because <laughs> the argument is you need a right-handed defenseman to pair up with power or, I mean, even for that matter, to, to pair with Darlene. Either way, you're looking for a top four right-handed defenseman, but obviously power is the one that they're really looking for right now just to get him more acclimated to the league. Um, but uh, coming out of his ELC with the Sabres, he ends up getting paid $5.5 million a year. His next contract that he ends up getting with Vancouver, he's getting paid $6 million a year. And... I would say Myers, if you could have him at like, and not even in the context of, of this conversation, but like taking Myers for what he is now at like two or 3 million is a lot more palatable than the thought of having him at 6 million or 5.5 million for the sake of this conversation. So I think because of all of those things, because of him not really ever being able to put it together, um, because of the the salary implications too of him getting 5.5 million to get his face beat in next to own power. It, it, he's really not even a matter of, of an option for me, but I figured it was at least important that we're covering uh, an option at forward D and in net as well. What are your thoughts on Tyler Myers with regard to this conversation? Okay. So some nice things to start. Go ahead. First, he just turned 32. That's big. That makes me feel 32. Better. Yeah. He's very tall. Yeah. That's good for him. Yeah. He's made a lot of money. Lots of money. And he's going to play a thousand NHL games crazy unless something catastrophic happens so good for him on all those things all the other things i don't i don't think he's good no. i think he looked good his rookie year because the Sabres put him in a favorable situation he was pretty good it's not like yeah. he's nobody he was like the 10th overall pick uh 12th overall pick whatever it was they put him in a good situation they put him with Talinder, who's a very reliable guy and you know he had a good uh, season offensively I don't know if defensively he ever, you know, caught on, but he was 19 at that point. So you figure, eh, he'll get better. 
And then he, at the next season, it's kind of like not as impressive. And he, I think he really started to worry during the 2011-12 season. Yeah. Where it's like, hmm, is this guy ever going to make it? And by the time they're in like the tank era savers, people are comparing him to Zdeno Chara and like people that are like, you can't trade him. Chara got traded, forgetting that Chara was younger than Myers was at the time, the first time he made an all-star game. And also because like people were missing something with Chara. By the time Myers was around, there's people, you know, on Twitter breaking down every play. There's people that look at advanced stats, traditional stats, scouts. There's It's just such a focus on so many guys. It's hard to miss things. And if someone is missing something, or if, if hockey world at large is missing something, someone else is pointing out that right. this, this person is being undervalued. There was no one doing that except to be like, oh, he's tall and look, I mean, some other guys are late bloomers. He's getting up towards like 400 NHL games played. And it's like the Sabres kind of, he was a throw in the, in the trade to be swapped with Zach Bogosian. Yeah. Which Sabres somehow got the worst part of. Um, Amazingly. But Myers goes to Winnipeg. And they actually were pretty good for about two years. With well, him. it's also important. What, he did have value at the time, though. Like, he yeah. wasn't just necessarily, like, a throw-in. I mean, obviously, they end up getting the first for him or for Kane and Bogosian. Like, that ends up going along with Myers and Stafford. But Myers did have value at the time. And I also went back, to and was looking at some old articles from around the time in 2013, 2014. And <laughs> some of the – like, I think it was Bleacher Report had an article that was talking about guys who you might get back in return. And it was like Anthony Mantha's name was thrown around. Nice. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, there was definitely value there with him. I mean, he, not that it was warranted, I should say, but – people hockey people it seemed old school hockey guys thought had positive thoughts of him still oh yeah yeah definitely and i think a lot of people were like you got to get him out of the sinking right right not realizing that he was one of the one of the main problems not not as much like by the the time the tank year happened the roster was such a disaster right but like in the 2012 13 savers that lockout year uh when things really started to fall apart i think myers to me is a huge culprit because he's one of the guys that was supposed to get better and be the next generation. And that next mm-hmm. generation never came. Nope. It never happened. And it wasn't like Myers by himself trying to, uh, trying to make it work as best as he could. Like he just wasn't good. And he's been a mess defensively. And like you mentioned, like, look at, look at his production. He's not that productive, no. even when he got to Winnipeg. No. So he goes to Winnipeg. And I think you look at the 2017, 18 Winnipeg team. That was actually really, really good. And he was probably their fourth best defenseman. He got some cozy assignments. Yeah. Because they had a top four of Bufflin, uh, Truba, him, and Toby Enstrom, was it? Might have still been Toby Enstrom. I'm like, I was thinking of someone else though that they still had, but who knows? I don't remember exactly who that was. But they, you know, they they had a good decor, and like those guys basically all left in the same offseason. But that was 2017, 2018. Yeah. So they really quick. Go ahead. So basically, he he's a fourth defenseman, if you want to put it that way, on that team. And they go to the conference finals, they play Vegas. And I think me and a lot of other people were wondering, like, hey, is Tyler Myers better now? And the answer in that series is a pretty resounding no. And things did not get better in Winnipeg. They've gotten steadily worse. And he's gone as well, along with that entire defensive core, basically. So he's... Josh Morrissey, actually. Uh, Josh Morrissey, yes. Forgot about him. Enstrom Uh, was still there, though. Yeah, he was was a really good decor. Yeah, not bad. So he's in Vancouver now. What happened? He has, like... 10 points this year. He has like one goal this year. And you know, he's not good in the defensive zone. Still. You, you can see that with your own two eyes, mm-hmm. or if you prefer spreadsheets, you can do that too. But if you feel like staying up to watch Vancouver sometime, go ahead and watch him. 
to me, this was this is like easy and resounding. No, not for interested sure. even a little bit. For and sure. The amount of money he's gotten paid, it's unbelievable. I mean, good for him on that front. I absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, should we head on to the next one, which I think is going to be the one that we're going to have to really consider the hardest, which may be our answer here. But I don't know. It's tough compared with the forwards, given the production you'd get. But of course, we are talking about none other than Ryan Miller. So for those of you who've been listening, for those of you who've been watching Sabres Hockey, who listen to any other podcast, as everybody has been saying, the thing that has really been keeping this team back the most this season has been their goaltending. I think it's definitely fair for all of us to wonder, and not to say that they would be like a playoff team or anything like that, but if they had even average level NHL goaltending this year, I think that this team has a pretty decent handful more of of points added on to what they currently have right now. Um, So 2010-2011, Miller in this era is the Sabres' best player, Another great guy to have in the room, as we have established, was the case with, with Pominville and, and Vanek as well. He's the face of the franchise. And again, he is a year removed at this point from being the Vesna winner. And he's 30 years old in 2010-2011. So the thing to keep in mind with what the Sabres are really looking for moving forward in a goalie is somebody that's going to bridge the gap from where they are right now to either Devin Levi or Eric Portillo. That's or really UPL. what, or UPL for that matter too. UPL could end up being the guy too, but I just for argument's sake, I'm I'm looking at it from the perspective that UPL comes in as a backup or a one B if they end up trying to like go after if Miller is the choice here. Um, Portillo, best case scenario for them, he, or not Portillo? Well, I, nah, maybe not him, but Levi, best case scenario, I should say, sign him at the conclusion of Northeastern season once they're out of the NCAA tournament. Sign him, get him in Rochester the rest of the way. Hell, maybe even get him a, star, a couple starts in Buffalo for that matter. Let him man the crease fully in Rochester all of next year. See how things go. Like let Portillo go back for a year and then maybe Levi after like a full year, if he's really showing out and is just continuing to just play at this trajectory, maybe then after a full year's worth of work in Rochester, if you think he's ready, get him up sign Portillo, whatever, or who knows, maybe it takes Levi two years before he really makes the, makes the the move to the NHL. Because as we all know, goalies are voodoo. You don't know how long it's going to take with their development curve. And so many things can happen along the way that it's really never a sure thing. Um, But again, going back to Miller for the sake of this argument here, in terms of what you're looking for out of a goalie, I think you could pretty safely say like you're looking for like, at a max, like five solid years out of a guy. And I think at 30 Miller really could have given that to you Um, again, just to give you enough time to bridge that gap to Levi Portillo, or maybe even it's less for UPL. Um, But in evaluating Miller. So I know we were talking about this a little bit before uh, around like 2013, 2014, some websites have advanced goalie stats going back to um, 2007, 2008, which is what you had identified with uh some of your money, steve mason numbers money puck money puck is dragging steve mason's <laughs> they are <laughs> they are <laughs> it's a smear campaign against steve mason um but i ended up coming across like a, a few of the websites that i had come across and i completely forgot that you used money puck so i didn't even bother to look there but a couple of the websites i had the information that they had available went back to 2013 2014 so we've talked about this before too like when we're talking about how you can evaluate goalies properly goals against average is pretty much like a completely antiquated line of, of evaluation, um, you know, because there's so much that it doesn't take into account. It's the, the quality of your team, the quality of your competition, the quality of the shots that you're getting. 
goals against average is more of just like a baseline or the number, number of shots or the number of, right simple. right like exactly it, it's crazy right and so yeah, save knock perc- it off bro Derek yeah it's unbelievable <laughs> um but save percentage is a, is a better indicator than goals against average which was but what is a better indicator than just save percentage is your five on five save percentage so Let's look at Miller, for example. So let's say in in this example, it takes four years max, four or five years for Devin Levi to be ready to take the reins full time. So from age 30 to 35, Miller's five on five save percentages were 924, 924, 928, 923, which was the year he was traded to St. Louis. In Buffalo alone, it was 927, but that year cumulative, because obviously, as we all know, St. Louis, it did not go very well, but 923 was that one, 914, and then he goes back up to 926. So his first three seasons with Anaheim, after uh, when he transitions to being John Gibson's backup, it's pretty remarkable. Like he, he looks good. His five on five save percentages those seasons, 941. 928 and 922, which are definitely respectable numbers for a are backup they, goalie. His five on five save percentage? Yes. Yeah. Okay. For his first three years in Anaheim when he became Gibson's backup. Yeah. Um, Even his regular save percentage is really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then where it gets a little bit murky too, though, is his goal saved above expected, which I think you and I both agreed you identified this as maybe like the best stat for evaluating goaltending performance. The best simple up, stat. Simple stat. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, we wanna, so I'll just explain real quick. Go That's ahead. super easy. It's like, where guys take shots from on the ice, how many, so the quality and quantity of shots, how many goals do you expect a goalie to give up? They're above that. If they save above that number, Mm -hmm. that's positive. They're above average. If they say below the number, they say below zero on that, that is negative. So positive numbers, positive, negative numbers, negative. Right. So when it comes to his post Sabres career, and we'll get back to like the rest of his tenure with the Sabres from like 2010, 2011 to the 2013, 2014 season, but post Sabres. So after he leaves St. Louis, year one in Vancouver is not good. He is at a negative 4.47 goal saved above the expected. But then the next year, it goes up to 5.9, which is really solid. Then the next year, his third and final year in Vancouver goes back down to 2.96 before skyrocketing to 13.68 in his first year as a backup in Anaheim. Then the next year, it's 2.68. The following year, it's 0.84. So all three years in Anaheim, he is above that zero number there, which is is really solid. Um, In Buffalo, though, down the stretch, there's a lot of context needed because as we all know, he was carrying those teams. Like they had to trade him when they did because of the fact that he was just keeping them in games that they absolutely should not have been in. He like you really can't say it enough at this point again you're talking about somebody who is a year removed from the Vesna. I know his underlying numbers too in Buffalo in this era weren't necessarily the best but I mean he still is among the upper echelon of goalies at this time um what what where do you take you know what are your thoughts on on Ryan Miller I guess as in regards to this conversation and do you think that it's cut and dry he's the answer here yeah, I think so. It's less cut and dry than I originally thought, uh, just because he's a little bit older than them, and he was a starter for uh, a few more years after that. But, you know, he's a 916 the next two years after we get this, a 916 save percentage and just overall regular save percentage. That's what you would get the next two years, like that level of guy. And it's like, the Sabres could really use that. I mean, the Sabres have two guys right now that are at 906 and 904, and those are like 
the good ones. That's we're lucky we're not playing uh, some of the other bozos from earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So like having a guy just be like that for a couple of years would be great. And the fact is he was reliable and he could easily fade into a backup role if whoever it is eventually comes up, Levi, whoever. I guess the decision that would have to be made theoretically is he had four years or three years left on his three years left on his deal. Uh, at we would get him with three years left on his deal, the age of thirty, and then you're and he's making like six million at this time too, or just yeah. like, like six point two five. That's no problem. The question is, do you extend him after that? And then that's uh, you know, that's more of an open question. It would completely depend on how things are going with the rest of the goalies, right? But you, I think you get three really good years out of him, and like you said, his last year in Buffalo, a nine twenty three overall save percentage for a terrible Sabres team that was getting destroyed. And just for example, 927 at five on five, too, which yeah, is crazy. Crazy. That team, as soon as they traded Miller, it was like a symbolic collapse of the goaltending position because Admiral was supposed to step in, at least see what he has. He wasn't the, you know, necessarily crowned guy. Like this guy's for sure the franchise player going forward. But they were excited about him. People believe And in he him. got hurt immediately. Yep. They had, there was a quick trade with um, Philly. Holock. Oh, yeah, 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 with Halak, right. Yeah, so Halak uh, comes and goes, doesn't even I thought play. I you were going to talk about Then yeah. they get Neuverth. Right. Neuverth gets hurt. Right. And then everyone got hurt. Or was Neuverth with Washington, actually? Wasn't it? Was that Washington, what it was? And then and we then, sent him to Philly? Yeah, that's what it was. Because then Halak went to Washington. Yes. Yeah, okay. And then, but then, like, okay, well, these they do have two prospects. Matt Hackett and Nathan Lewin both got hurt. And then it was like Nathan was, Lewin's a real what if too to think about with him. Yeah, he Hackett, had a I terrible don't think car accident, it, but yeah, and had had problems basically. And then he had another concussion later as a, a Rochester Gamerick, I believe. But yeah, then they had to bring up the ECHL guys, Connor Knapp, and then Andre Makarov. Oh yeah, baby. And so it was just like that. They finished terribly that year, and it was just like they went from having Ryan Miller, who was bailing them out all the time. Honestly, I'd love to see not even just Ryan Miller's stats from that year. His stats from like mid-November through the trade deadline. If someone could just like, I don't know, maybe someone's done that at some point because the Sabres started that year 215 and one. That was before they fired Rolston and, and Darcy. And then they were not bad until the trade deadline. Like they were kind of bad, but they were like the worst team ever. And then it was kind of like, ah, they're just a normal bad team. And then they finished the year as the worst team ever. I don't think they were really ever going to catch like whoever was ahead of them. I think Florida was right there. I think Calgary was right there in terms of uh, the worst teams, but there was not like a real race that year. There where there was the next, the actual tank year when they had to make far more shameful trades of Neuver <laughs> than Enroth far before the deadline. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> it all worked out in the end, at least. So my answer is I take Ryan Miller and then I would, I think based on the needs of this team, it's a close call between Vanek and Palmerville, but I never decided that I was going to do second place. So I'm not going to make that call. And whoever one of those guys is second. And I don't even think Myers would be fourth. I think it's just the just top some, three. Yeah. It really is. My, yeah. Like, I, I would like really rather take someone for the short term, like Jokin Hash or Jordan Leopold, and be mm-hmm. like, yeah, be a good guy in the room for a couple of years, maybe make the playoffs two years from now, and then we'll see you later. See ya. Well, and I think that's the other thing, too, especially with the case with. Miller and Palmonville similar, or not, uh, excuse me, um, Vanek and Palmonville similar to Miller is that you could have like a contingency plan in place there. I mean, those guys are 28 and 27 at the time, either if either one of them come in. Um, and yeah, you're going to want them to be like 
top six for you for the next couple of years, but four or five years, it's not like you're going to have to be like relying on them to be like the guy for you. Because by that point, I mean, you have Quinn, you have Paterka, you have Krebs, Cousins, like these guys are all really, really young and, and Thompson too, who would be able to then step up. I guess one thing that could be interesting to take into consideration though, is say you were to take a guy like Vanek or Pominville, does that make one of your young players then expendable trade him to a team for a goalie to kind of accelerate things and get you up to speed faster than just taking Miller? Oh, so say you take Vanek or Vanek or Pominville, either one of them. Does that then make somebody like JJ Paterka, for example, expendable? Do you move him then and see what you can get for him for a good up and coming (laughs) goalie? That's interesting. I guess that's a possibility. I just uh, I don't like the idea of a good up and coming goalie as a trade I would make for a, a good young and up and coming forward. Right. Uh, I think what what I see more as a a direct path is I just there's no world I think you would agree where Thomas Vanek comes in and scores fifty goals just like there's no world no. where Pominville comes in and gets hundred points. No. But there is a world where Ryan Miller comes in and gets like a nine twenty eight nine thirty save percentage, and. That's not super likely, but it is a possibility. But isn't it a possibility you could also say that Vanek comes in and gets 70 points again? 70, yes. But what I'm saying is 70 points. I think if you added a 70-point Vanek, let's say the a, value of a that. 30 goal, yeah, 40 yeah. Uh, assist Vanek to the Sabres next year, they're not making the playoffs still probably, but they'd be much better and more exciting. Whereas a, a Miller that would get a 928 or 930, they'd probably make the playoffs. Yeah. Teams don't miss the playoffs a lot at 930. That's fair. Which is why... Uh, completely unrelated point. People might be overvaluing the future of the New York Rangers at the moment. Oh, baby. But who knows? Let's talk about it. Well, it's just Sterking just going to do this every year. Who knows? If he's yeah. Dominic Hasek, uh, congratulations, sure Rangers fans. But if he's a guy that's like going to be in the nine, low 920s consistently, which is very good and probably does that long enough, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, you better hope that some of these young guys are a lot better than they have been because yep. they're, they're very good players in the Rangers, Panarin and Zabanajad are not young i mean they're not old either but yeah. like they're not going to do this for super long adam fox good for you guys he's awesome he's great you've done good on that one. Oh yeah tough oh, trade yeah. tough trade honestly i would uh i would not have given up young adam fox. no i would have simply kept on, no, I, that on been, yeah that would have been a good idea i would say um i think the other thing that's kind of funny too to think about that i was reminded of with regard to rangers fans and specifically capo caco is on draft night i remember that there were rangers fans who were psyched that jack hughes went first overall (laughs) because they were like oh wow we're gonna get the better two-way player in caco and all this and i mean jack hughes this year what a jump that dude has taken he has now entered like perennial 100 point territory i think he i think next year he'll i I could i'd feel good about betting on him hitting 90 plus points next year it took him a little while to be more as productive as eichel was but now he reminds me i would say he's like at a the level eichel was before Mm -hmm. his injury like maybe he's getting there maybe even yeah yeah he's not following similar trajectory now like eichel immediately was productive in the way hughes wasn't yeah but my god i just looked at this capo caco is 54 career points oh yeah how many games uh because he's he's hurt now so right. he hasn't played a lot this year he played uh, he's played 37 games this year and he has 14 points he has 54 points in 151 games 24 goals in 151 games wow that's tough. your boy my boy your i never boy. wanted him <laughs> i was a little jealous when they got to they jumped to second overall yeah not being that bad that year but now i i 
imagine how frustrating that would be right now. Huh. Uh, his friend, Lafreniere, uh, has 20, that was a good one. 22 points in 62 games. His his friend, Lafreniere? Yeah. His friend, yeah. His, his Lafreniere. His Lafreniere. 43 points in 118 <laughs> overall, but has more points than That's tough. Yikes. Didn't he get benched last night, too, I thought I saw? Ooh, that's tough. Oh. I mean, he's only 20, but that's that's an inauspicious start. Jack Hughes, on the other hand, like, I, for a little while, was kind of, like, looking at his production, like, uh, I don't know, man. This is uh, a little suspect so far. Like, his rookie year, he only had seven goals and 21 points. Last year's 31 and 56, so that's a huge step up. And then, well, it's a, it's a decent step up, I should say. And then his third year this year, he's more than a point of game player. He, who knows, maybe he's a hundred point guy by next year. He, he looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cause I was thinking the devils oh. might've screwed up twice. His goals last night. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That backhander. Oh, best player in the, uh, I like, well, he's not the best, but the best player under 30 in the tri-state area. No, that's Adam Fox. The best yeah. forward under 30 in the tri-state area. There we go. Yeah, I got to it eventually. <laughs> Took a couple times. Yeah, yeah, I guess Panarin's the best player. Yeah, that. yeah. So the, the other thing I was going to say uh, with that is, like, I thought the Devils might have screwed up twice with high picks close together because I not screwed up. The Heischer year was not a screw up. It they actually made the right choice taking him over Nolan Patrick, but that's a tough first overall pick to have. That's just bad luck. Yeah, to get to win the lottery. But I mean, Heischer's ended up being all right. Like, if Heischer's going to be your second line, two way, sixty point guy, who's also your captain, that's all right. Yeah, I would compare him kind of to Reinhardt, although he's never been as productive as Reinhardt. Right, has been this year. And like, he's the kind of guy that he's better than his point totals. But like, when you draft a guy first overall, you hope that you don't get Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Nico Heischer, even right. though it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, to you're have. hoping you get Austin Matthews. Yeah, right. Or well, you know, like Heischer this year actually is 44 points, 50 games. Yeah, that's he's on pace for a career high. His career high is his rookie year of 52. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. I mean, he hasn't been super healthy though either. So well, good for good for the Devils. Heischer's okay. Hughes is really good. No comment on the rest of the roster. Alexander Holtz. Yeah. Okay. That's not maybe bad. something there. Ty Smith. I don't know how he actually has been this year. We should have know. our our man Neil from Devil's State of Mind come on. We should because uh, I think they're pretty excited about some. Of I guys. I got to tell you, like it's funny too because I was thinking about it last night. The Devils to me have just been one of those teams that have just have never really been likable. Like I just I I've no. never been like jazzed about the devils is it because they ruined the nhl for a quarter yeah century? it probably has something to do with it maybe but like I, I just remember like i was i was sitting in my bed last night and i was watching the jack hughes highlights and i like i don't and it like dawned on me then that i don't think i have ever like watched or consumed anything devils related that i've been like wow like really kind of excited about and like jack hughes is doing that man he is a bad dude I think he's gonna he's gonna really really pan out. So the best, he's just so shifty. His skating is so great, and his hand like yeah. him with the puck on his stick in the offensive zone, like he's just one of those guys that it's just like he commands it. Like he, he has the puck on his stick, and it's just he's like you're gonna have to take it away from me because I'm like just gonna do it myself, like in the best possible way. Along with him just being a good playmaker too. Like yeah. that just speaks to his talent. But go to, ahead. To me the. The only interesting forward the Devils ever had is Kovalchuk, and that was such a short time. Perizay, too. I mean, he was all right. Kind of. I think a lot of the forwards they've had, their best forwards, 
throughout their history have been the boringly competent. What do you mean? Like, what are you trying to say about Travis Zajac, bro? I was going to say Patrick <laughs> Elias. Patrick Elias uh, had a thousand career points. And I don't remember one of them. Yeah, there you go. Prize was, he was, yeah, he was exciting kind of. And, you know, he's a, a handsome young fellow. Mm. He was from New Jersey, wasn't he? Minnesota. From Minnesota, that's right. Oh, yeah. That was the whole home. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I screwed that up. Okay, but then you had like Elias, you had like Jason Arnett, yep. guys like that that are just like, wow, eh, you know, I believe Arnett scored a Stanley Cup winning goal, but you you can't picture it in your head, right? No. No, no one can. Everyone can picture the Brad Hall on goal or maybe even the Uwe Krupp uh, seeing eye trick. Wow. I'm just kidding. No one watched that game either. But you you can picture Alec Martinez. That goal was just really exciting. But like Scott Gomez, I'm just looking up some guys. Oh, Scott Gomez. Yeah, he was interesting for a little bit. There's definitely someone I'm forgetting. Jamie Langenbrunner. Uh, I was forgetting him, but there's someone I'm I'm thinking of from like the 2000 Devils that was like John Madden. No, <laughs> a good forward. A good um, forward from the 2000 Devil, like because their most exciting players are probably Niedermeyer and Stevens, who are defensemen. Right especially Stevens is exciting in his own way, I guess. Bobby Holik. Wow. Look at these names. Peter Sikora. Peter Sikora. That's exactly there we go, baby. Go. That's more interesting. So Jack Hughes is going to be the most exciting forward. Ooh, in Jay Pandolfo. History. Joe Newendike. Oh, Joe Newendike was there. That's, yeah. that's better. But he was, he must've been just a rental, right? Uh, I'm thinking so. Yeah. Wow. Well, Gilney put up 83 points for them in 2000, 2001. Uh, McGillney's a good one too, actually. They lost the cup that year, though. Yeah, he's not bad. Sergey Breland. No, so damn, they got there are some Newendike names. couldn't have been a rental because Newendike won the cup with them in 2000. He won it with I know Newendike won the cup with three different teams. He's one of the only guys that did it. But anyway. See, but that's the thing. I don't see him. Uh let me go back really. Or is he on the 03 team? I think he was. Yeah. That's so he's a little bit more than a rental, but he was. Hold on here. Let me see. He was there. So Newendike shows up uh, from Dallas in 2001, 2002. He's there 2002, 2003, and that's it. Hmm. That was it. So he was only that. He only played actually 94 games for them total. Yeah. So that's a rental. Which is weird. That's interesting. I feel like he's a guy that, I mean, I know obviously when I think about him, it's like Dallas. Um, for sure. And I guess Calgary too, because that's where he started his career. But that's funny. I always, I always felt like Newendike was there for a little bit longer than just those two years, but that was towards the end of his career also. Yeah. So I think he, I think there's only two guys that won three cups. I think it's him and uh, uh, Claude Lemieux Ugh. won cups of three different teams. Yuck. I know. No, Newendike's the better. The oh, yeah. Of that one. I could be mistaken, but maybe. I think Lemieux was on. Oh, he was on uh, the Canadians, the Abs, and the Devils. I think, right? For who is that? Claude Lemieux. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. And then Newendike. I'm going to do this off the top of my head and not fact check it. Newendike was definitely Dallas, New Jersey, and well, he's on '89 Calgary, maybe. Yeah, that would make sense. All right, we figured it out. That's the mystery I was thinking of in my head. Okay, so do we want to hear from our? Uh, our sponsors before we get into the last segment taylor you are goddamn right we want to hear from our sponsors everybody you know who our sponsors are it's DraftKings. have you been betting any more recently out of curiosity no but i'm probably going to do some for the tournament just because i'm not going to win hey one of my brackets probably nit semis by the way go bonas also sorry to hear that your coach is leaving he's not but <laughs> he's not no i don't think so i don't well i don't want to jinx myself on a, a live recording but i 
it doesn't look like that's a real thing. What? Yeah. So there's been a bunch of rumblings that he might go to UMass, which a lot of people in the Bonnet community are surprised by because it's like, why would you leave for that job at this point? But there's there hasn't been anyone that's reported on it that is um, a real account that actually breaks news. And there's been some reporting today that that's not being considered and that also UMass is considering Frank Martin, which is a better idea. Right. Wasn't the UMass offer that was reported like double what he's making right now at Bonas? Close to it. So yeah. the report, report. I'm going to put heavy air quotes here if you can't hear him. Reported by a guy who has changed the story like 40 times. Oh, already? Uh, it said 1.8 million. Bonas pays 1 million or so for him okay. right now. So that would be a huge upgrade financially. Uh, and he's from Massachusetts. So he's always connected to those jobs. But it's another A-10 team. And it's one that hasn't been good for eight years. And he's 60 years old. So I feel like he maybe he would go to a power five program if they were like offering and maybe any power five program, who knows? Mm-hmm. I just don't see why you go to a, a bad a 10 program at this I, point. What's the difference? Between, yeah. What's the difference besides a stunning $800,000? What's the difference between more money than I'll make in the next 20 years? Yeah, no, that's what's fair. the ticket pal. That, that's very fair. My man. Very fair. I think someone eventually would pay like one of the lo- lower end power five teams. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he's done a great job with the program. Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's just I I always feel like he's in a, a bad position to leave because it's like if you're a rebuilding power five team, it's hard to sell your fan base on a 60 year old doing a rebuild. Yeah. And normally guys like their alma maters anyway. So like BC was the only one that seemed like a possibility and they have a coach. So doesn't seem like BC is happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's hear from DraftKings here. Yeah. Then. Well, the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. And as the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So what do you got to do? You got to go and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 plus, restrictions apply. If you are in New York, Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Again, 21 plus must be physically present in your state. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. So Taylor, we have some news about the current Sabres and the fallout of the trade deadline if we want to get back into that. Our pal Chad Dominicus of Expected Buffalo. We love Chad and Anthony. I've had those guys on a handful of times. Um, he had tweeted something out yesterday with regard to the Sabres not moving Vinny Hinostroza, which I think is worthy of us having a little chat about here. Chad's tweet was as follows. I suspected it was the case with how there was no talk among insiders with Hinostroza, but I was able to confirm with multiple sources that he was made relatively unavailable outside of what was described to me as a, quote, very strong offer, end quote. It sure seems like they want him back next season. I have my thoughts on this, and I'm assuming they're probably the same as yours. What do you think, Taylor? What are your thoughts on this? I think I'd like to know how strong of an offer before I'd actually like get mad about it. So I won't get mad. I'll just be more confused because I like I get the idea in general that you uh, want to bring back some guys or at least have some continuity and you don't want to just 
tear the studs out of the building and be like, hey, good luck, kids. Like, you want someone to, quote, unquote, show the young guys how to win. Although, Henestros is not that old of a guy and has not much winning. But I get the idea that maybe, hey, maybe you're looking at next year and you're looking to bring him back and you think you're better off doing that if you don't trade him. We'll see. I mean, we've seen in the past guys have gone at the deadline and gone back to the original teams. But here's the problem I'm seeing. It will, it creates a not necessarily a huge problem that's unsolvable, a very solvable problem, but it will be a problem that you will have to look at in the summer because right now the Sabres are bringing, bringing back their top line. And I'm sure they'll still play together at least the beginning of next year of uh, Tuck, Skinner, and Tage. In all likelihood, you will have all three of Quinn, Paterka, and Krebs up next year. I mean, Krebs is already up. Quinn is scoring way too much to stay in the AHL. Paterka has been very good too. I'd be surprised if he's not up next year. I feel like a waste of time to have more time in Rochester, even just to start the year. After that, you have seventh guy, Dylan Cousins, definitely up. And then you have other guys who right now are under contract for next year. And Casey Middlestat, well, is he an RFA? Yeah. Okay. He's RFA, but presumably you might bring him back. But we'll put a pin in that. We'll talk about him in a second. Gus and Asplund are both back next year. I believe they both have one year left in their deal. Mm-hmm. And Oposo is one year left, and so does Andres Bjork, which I did not know. He'll be gone. And Olofsson is also an RFA, not someone you're just going to non-tender. And then some other guys, so Henestros is also in that conversation. And two other guys, who knows if the Sabres are interested in that, maybe they do non-tender him, are Brandon Biro, and then you have to wonder what goes on with R2 Rootsalainen. So that is a total of 16 guys I just mentioned. But is it Murray, too? Oh, I didn't even think about Murray. Yeah. Yeah, Brett Murray, another guy who is an RFA, I believe. So, okay, so that is 17 guys. So let's just forget Murray, Bureau, and R2 for a second. Yeah. How are you going to go from 14 to 12? Or do you only want to go from 14 to 13 and bring, put maybe just consider at the beginning of the year that Andres Bjork might just be an extra forward? I think Bjork is going to be gone, honestly. I think. What are you going to think they're going to do with him? He's an RFA at the end of this year? No. He has one more year left? Yeah. I think they move him or something. He just he doesn't fit anywhere. If we're saying that Olafson doesn't fit on this, you think that Anders Bjork is going to fit? So, like, there's just nowhere that it makes sense. Well, the difference is Olafson, I think, could fetch a decent haul of some kind. What is, who wants Bjork for a million and a half? A throw-in. Just a throw-away to a team. I think you could find it. Like, future considerations? Yeah. Future, yeah. future consideration is actually nothing? Yep, exactly. That's possible. And then, I, so I guess your solution then would be to just dump Bjork wherever you can and have a trade for either Olofsson or, as we talked about before, Casey. Casey's an RFA. And I think Olofsson's the one that makes more sense because you can get more back for him in return. Casey, you could have back, um, I think, at a better price tag than what Olofsson, because he's arbitration eligible, isn't he? Olofsson? Yeah. Yeah. So. This is, uh, uh, yeah, this is, this current season is year four. Yeah. So I think that the move would be to get rid of Olofsson. But again, this, this just, that's what's so frustrating about all of this is again, like I know next year in my mind, I think in yours too, in a lot of our minds, like, and not to keep putting it off, but 2023, 2024 is the year that it's like, okay, no excuses. We're pushing for the playoffs. Now I think next year is going to be another year of getting our footing, taking a step. Maybe they're more likely a 500 team next year. And then the following year is when they really make the push. But like, are you going to do this again where you're not going to upgrade your top six, four or your top nine forwards? Like you're literally going to go into next season with the exact same forward group. If you bring back Kina Stroza, there's no room. Quinn and Paterka are going to come up. Obviously that's going to be a nice help, but like you're really not going to look elsewhere to try and make any other kind of progress on trying to improve the forward group. Yeah. That's just 
kind of that's kind of what I was getting at too. I I wonder where they are with all this. I know being an NHL GM, the nature of that, especially in a rebuilding time, is you're you're looking to the present and the future, and the the present or the immediate present next season. I guess the immediate future you would call that. You have to look at hopefully getting some other guys to run, not just bringing back. 12 of the same forwards or 12 guys who are among the forwards who played this year. On the other hand, you, I guess, long-term, you'd have to kind of keep in mind that you have other guys, hopefully coming. We don't know who they're going to draft. We don't know where they're going to draft. If they get the first overall pick this year, he will be in the lineup next year. We don't know how what's going to happen with that yet. If they get a, I don't know, they're going to be like three through seven, three through eight. That Mm -hmm. seems reasonable. Now they're one of those spots. They're going to get, Maybe a forward, maybe not, but maybe a forward that they want in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the next couple of years, you want to see Isaac Rosen. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to see a forward that you draft 15th this year. Maybe you want to see uh, Poltapov or Kisikov within two or three years. Like, did you, I, I guess at that point, you kind of have to keep the pipeline open a little bit. On the other hand, you you want to be a little bit better. And I don't, I'm not sure if this is the best time to trade Casey because I agree. It was a. Uh, not, Seasons a, not a good wash. Yeah, total wash for him with the injuries. And Olofsson, to me, this is the time to trade him. I mean, you you can – there's only so much you can build his value back up. Like Put him in a position to see, succeed as much as he can now down the stretch. And Yeah, teams know he's never going to be a 30-goal scorer, even in the best of circumstances. So or Maybe he's a 20-goal guy. Yeah, maybe for you guys. Hey, I believe in you. Yeah, you know, like I don't think that there's any reason to think that he couldn't get back to – 12 to 14 power play goals a year. Yeah. And then on top of that, I mean, you're just looking for, you know, five or some change, uh, even strength goals. And that puts you at 20 goals right there. Yeah. You hear that capitals Washington. What are you doing? Edmonton. What's going on, pal? Yeah. Edmonton. You, I mean, what are you doing there? Yeah. That's, that's not a bad idea. Oh, Seattle now, baby. Oh, Ron Francis doesn't do trades. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wonder if Edmonton has anyone do we want to trade for though. I know, like, yes, obviously Jesus. they have two MVPs on their team, but they aren't getting traded. Mm. For Olafson, they are getting traded at some point, probably though, right? Yeah. Um, they gotta. I don't know who like who was even good at Edmonton besides those guys. Like, I don't really want Zach Hyman. No. I they had guys that were pretty good. They had Ethan Bear. Mm-hmm. They had Caleb Jones. He's somebody bad. who I think about is he Damn it, I think he's left-handed, actually. Ethan uh, Yeah, I think he is, because he's somebody that I feel like is just, like, not finding his place in Carolina right now. Yeah, some bears are ambidextrous, but that doesn't really help us. because That's he's just true. Like, it's just his name. He's not actually He is not, in fact, a bear. We are yeah. confirming this, yes. So, I mean, those are some interesting Oh, he is a right-handed shot, actually. Oh, maybe he is an option, mm. then. I don't mind that. Olsen for Ethan Bear. Let's do it. Is that Carolina, right? Yeah. They don't do bad trades like that. Eric Tulski won't let it happen. I mean, they just uh, – we'll see. <laughs> Ethan Bear's not well, – I mean, something's going to have to give. Like, they're not – they just don't have room for him. They're not playing him. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, if they really are just like – I just feel like they get good value. Yeah, I mean, but again – You like, can I'm, have the six-round pick we got for Robert Hag. There you go. I mean, I well, they're, like, they're just not giving him, like, the problem. I, I don't know. I would still – pay a little bit to get Ethan bear. I would be curious by that. Again, I don't know if he necessarily fits the bill of like the partner for power, but you need right-handed defenseman in the organization. And I think that he's somebody that is absolutely worth taking a flyer on. Yeah. So elsewhere, like looking at the roster for next year, it's interesting. The Sabres have Dalene Yoki Haru and Samuelson under contract. 
Mm. That's it. Uh, but we mentioned it's pretty easy to see them getting to six because Bryson's an RFA. Right. You assume Bryson gets a one or two year deal, maybe. Who knows? Yep. And they have uh, this this fellow Owen Power coming. So. 99.9% sure he'll be in the NHL next year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's other guys you can think of. So that's five. And it's after that, it's like, are you looking for a power partner? Like a guy to play with him? Uh, you want to bring back Pezik? Yeah. Yeah. No goaltenders under contract. I don't know if you knew that. I did. Yeah. I mean, you have to think without question, they're going to go 1A, 1B with UPL and somebody next year. I really... I think Anderson's probably done after this. I mean, you had, you hit 300 wins. What else are you really looking for here? Um, you know, it does the, the long, not that I'm saying I want this to happen necessarily, but it's like, there's some young goalies who have been talked about getting moved potentially. Like does the Georgia trade happen this off season? Does the Jonas Corpusalo trade happen this off pass season? And pass I know. That's what pass. I mean. I'm not that's interested what I mean. either of them. But what I, so it's just tough. I like, you got to, uh, UPL is guaranteed slotted in on this team next year because Levi will be starting in Rochester. And if it's not Levi, it's going to be Portillo, but it's going to be Levi. I, I am like, I don't have any like hashtag sources, but like, I just feel like it just makes too much sense to get Levi locked up after this. Like you have to. Um, so it's going to be his crease down there next year. And Again, like you're gonna, you gotta try and upgrade the goaltending position here to give some some breathing room to UPL. Like the way that I look at next year is like you go out, you get a decent enough goalie that you're able to do a tandem with UPL, and you hope that UPL forces you to end up having to trade the other goalie because of how he takes over the job. Like you hope that it turns into a non one eight, like that UPL is just one. Yeah. So that'd be nice. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a really interesting offseason. Damn, sure is Joe Newendike, man. Joe Newendike, Joey Newendike. So we got some sources now saying that not, we, not we my do. personal sources, but <laughs> sources out there in the world saying that the uh Mark Schmidt thing, he's uh he's pulled out of the coaching search. Really? So, yeah, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big relief. So let's get after it. You know, back in 2018, we still had Rickstam of views as a podcast. I was very cocky about Bonaventure going to the tournament and then kind of the same in 20. Oh, last year, 2021, very famously uh, gave a warning to the, the state of Louisiana. So this year I'm just going to play it cool. Whatever happens at MSG happens. And uh, I feel pretty good about going both going forward and playing Xavier and also feel good about the uh, the last three games of the NIT they've won against uh, much larger schools and bigger conferences. It's been, uh, been a nice little run. So, hey, let's get after it. Uh, Tuesday and Thursday. There we go. I might, I might be recording uh, next Wednesday from New York. We'll see. Hey, so how do you feel about uh, – what are your thoughts? This is actually just recent from today. Um, it seems – Real likely that Taze and Kane are going to be gone from Chicago next year. So Jonathan Taze was asked today after their uh, pregame skate (laughs) about whether the rebuild makes him question his future with the Blackhawks. And his quote is, for the longest time, the thought never entered my mind to leave Chicago. In this case, you can't help but picture yourself and what it would be like to play for another team and just what that experience would bring. But again, Chicago is my home. 
Mm. Your thoughts? Well, Hayes is uh had not been fantastic since he came back from no. his year plus off. So I don't know. I mean, in my Someone mind, is going to give him too much money, and that team is pot very well. They have the Edmonton. Oil. They have one more year left, I think. Each right, I think next year is the last year of their contracts. Yes. Yeah, so, are you thinking they're going to get traded? Yeah, I wonder if they do. I mean, if there's a, a yeah. contender that looks for them and tries to get them in the off season, uh, I don't know. I think I bet if if they if Kane wanted to resign there, they would resign him. I wouldn't doubt that. I guess my whole thing is like I'm just more than, and I get it that it's like hockey guys, whatever, but like. How can you not see the writing on the wall that like it's time? Like they they've been there for so long, they had their run, their time is up, and they haven't uh, won a playoff series and a real playoff right. series in seven years. Well, that's what I'm saying, and it's like, how, how can you not realize that it like this is just the cycle happening? Like you guys aren't good anymore. You weren't good before you showed up. You've been there for a while. You were really good, like really really good for a long time, and now it's the end of the cycle. Like guys are moving on. You're getting older it's just like this thought where they're acting like it well it's mostly taze just like acting like how preposterous it is that they would enter into a rebuild it's like well, what do you expect you guys have been horrible yeah and i i guess also maybe you know if you're a player you don't pay as much attention to these kinds of things but they didn't make a lot of good moves like after 2015 it was going to be really hard for them to continue to be good as those guys got older mm-hmm. but then they added panarin and if just adding panarin to what was left after the 2015 team, they definitely should have been a team that competed for a couple more Stanley Cups. It didn't just get bounced in the first round a couple of times and then become a perennial non-playoff team. But they made some dumb trades. They, that is interesting. Well, they, they signed Seabrook yeah. to way too much money, and Duncan Keith fell off. And instead of um, trying to help the defense any other way, they traded Nick Jalmerson in a terrible trade. And they traded uh, Tara Vinen so that, to get rid of Bickle's contract, which was a bad contract. They Corey Crawford was good, so I'm not going to say they gave him too much money. But like, well, and their new GM seems like he knows what he's doing. We talked yeah. about that a little bit last time, like the Hagel deal. Good for you, man. Good for them. Like, yeah, not so, good for us, but no, it would be wise of them to trade both guys, I guess. Or maybe I don't know. Do you, would you rather really just let Taze play the year out or get? Uh, you know what? I don't know how Edmonton would make this work financially, but Edmonton would trade for Taze. Oh, of course they would. Are you kidding me? Yeah, or sign him to a huge deal of some kind. Million percent. They figure it out. <laughs> can I? Can we end on one last piece of good news? Yeah. The NHL has voided Vegas's trade of Evgeny Dadanov, so now Vegas retains Dadanov and has less than a million dollars to work with right now in terms of available cap space. And as a reminder for everybody, because this is a little weird wrinkle. The NHL trade deadline is for eligibility for playing through the rest of the season and in the playoffs. So you could still make trades. It's just if they traded Dadnov, he would not be able to play for the team that he ends up getting traded to. So then he would be able to play next year. Um, a team like Arizona has come up as a possibility for somebody who would do them a solid and take a second round pick to take Dadnov off their hands with that $5 million. But again, you have Alec Martinez, who's on long-term injured reserve, who's just making under $5 million for them. And of course, Mark Stone is making $9 million for them. So they got some work to do, and um, they're going to miss the sucks playoffs. Sucks, assholes. Sucks to suck. So they're they're, I believe, a point out now with uh, well, with Dallas having four games in hand. Yeah, man, and so, Vancouver's right behind them, and also has four games in hand. I'm pretty sure too. Yeah, that's tough. And tough Winnipeg is right behind them also, and has like two or three games in hand. Yeah, that's it's brutal. I mean, you really hate to see it. Yeah, the dead enough thing was super weird that. 
<laughs> he was very disorganized. No one knew about his no trade list. That's wild. Oh yeah. No, definitely is a weird thing. Definitely a weird thing. Couldn't have happened to a worse franchise though. Congrats Vegas. Yeah. Well, uh, so not worse franchise. Couldn't happen to a worse person, Jack Eichel. Yeah. Do you have any uh, recommendations for the people? (sighs) Okay. Well, first of all, with regard to our conversation about Monday on Monday about winning time. Yeah. That ending was pretty goddamn wild. It was, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, is this going to be multiple seasons too? I feel like it has to be. It should be. So, so for those who don't know, this is based on a book written by Jeff Perlman. Right. And the tagline, it says winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. Although I think his book was called showtime. I'm not mistaken. Not important. So the rise of the Lakers dynasty, is it really just about the first year? Like what does rise mean there? I could look this up to see if it's been renewed or anything, but like, but it's been three episodes of 10 and they have not, played a basketball game they just introduced pat riley and he's not he's not even a broadcaster for them yet at this point and on top of that the opening scene of the show is magic johnson learning that he has hiv it has to be multiple seasons i think it has to i mean it makes sense to do it that way too i'm i'm all in on it i'm very intrigued by it make sure adam Um, mckay can't make any more movies yeah keep him busy (laughs) with this please um so no it's it's honestly a great idea i think because you don't have to do a season you literally couldn't do that but like if you wanted, you could just have this year be about 79.80. I don't know if I should do – does it count as doing spoilers when it happened in real life very famously? Uh, but I won't say when they yeah, win Yeah, don't go too much. But, like, they – obviously, they say Dynasty. They win five championships and appear in nine. And, like, they could just do chunks of time. Like, yeah. this season is so much more interesting as one season than once – like, who cares what happened in the 82-83 season? Right. Like, or the like a couple of those ones. So like they could just do chunks of time going forward because a lot of these guys are around for a while and you get to see James Worthy show up eventually. Right. You'll get to cast him maybe. That'd be nice. And then you get you get some time to see them play the Sixers, introduce the Sixers. So yeah, their only enemy isn't isn't just the, the Celtics, Celtics, like the Pistons eventually too. Yeah, that would be the late ones. But yeah. like the thing is, the most famous Lakers team and when they were at the peak of their popularity was eighty seven. Just years after this, mm-hmm. like that's when they did the "Everyone Loves It." Their famous "Just Say No to Drugs" uh, yeah. song that they did together. <laughs> the late it was the the Lakers All Star Rappers, I believe it was yeah, called. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you guys get to you know watch it on YouTube if you want. Look that up. Yeah, it's like you're not it's like they've taken three episodes to get through the span of like what three weeks in reality. Like, well, the time not three they're weeks, playing like a with time months, a little probably. bit because. But I mean, in terms of like the active story, I know they've time jumped a bit, but like in terms of like the first thing that we get really is magic right before he gets like in the build up to the draft and they haven't even played a game yet in his rookie year. Yeah. So it, yes, but and that's I, three episodes. When I say like they're messing with time a little bit, like the deal between, they have to do it story-wise. So I'm just not a criticism, but like the deal with for bus to buy the team mm-hmm. magic getting drafted, the lead up to the draft, the coin toss magic getting drafted uh and then an act that happens that i will not spoil mm-hmm. but it's a very famous news story and then eventually later on uh a person quitting their job yeah those things happen over the course of like five months but you have to kind of get them together well either that's my point though is that they've taken three episodes to cover five months so how are they going to do the next seven episodes and cover 10 years yeah oh yeah. so it's exactly. got to be multiple i hope it is at least i'm so excited too to see jason seagal as paul westhead 
Yeah, oh, it's yeah. gonna be awesome. And did you know that originally Bo Burnham was supposed to play Larry Bird? Yeah, I believe he backed out. What a bummer, man! I would have loved to see that. Yeah, I think that would have been really cool. I agree. And yeah, the other thing is to say that I think the best evidence that they'd like to do multiple seasons is they cast Pat Riley. They didn't cast some nobody. Right. They cast you know this podcast favorite actor Adrian Brody. We revitalized him. You're right. I thought about that more after you said <laughs> that, and I do think we brought his career back. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, like Pat Riley doesn't coach them till. He doesn't coach him that season. I mean, he coaches him down no, the road. Right. So he's the assistant coach that season, right? Um, but I don't want to do a spoiler on. Okay, that, that's fine. Just, we'll talk about it after. Yeah. So uh, my recommendation is Human Resources, new show on Netflix, is a spinoff from hmm. Big Mouth. Oh, okay. So if you like cool. Big Mouth, I think oh, it's pretty I fun. I saw I saw the uh, trailer for that. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Very cool. Yeah, I don't know if I have a recommendation today. I haven't really. Oh, well, you just did Winning Time. That counts. Yeah, that we'll counts. Re-recommend I recommend everybody go listen to my band's new EP, Chasing Moonlight, that came yeah. out on all streaming platforms. Check it out. I would very much appreciate it. I think it's pretty cool. I'm pretty proud of it. So go listen to it. I'd love to hear your thoughts if you guys uh, are messing with it at all. Who's your random former Sabres player? Uh, Victor and Teepin. Victor and Teepin. Ooh, okay. I'm going to go with uh, Shane Morrison. Good stuff. Good stuff. The best stuff. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Go check them out on whatever social media platforms you use and make sure you listen to all of the fellow podcasts on both of the networks too on whatever streaming platform you use also make sure you're following us on social media straight up sabers on facebook twitter and instagram you could also follow us subscribe to us on whatever you use for your streaming whatever you're listening to us on right now make sure you're following us and if you can give us a nice little review either way we would very much appreciate it also again make sure you're taking care or taking advantage of that great deal that DraftKings is offering now head to uh, DraftKings and use promo code THPN to take advantage we'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday thank you all so much for tuning in this has been straight up savers <laughs>